This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. About my dad, this is the first Father's Day that I've had without him. It's quite painful, actually. And uh, so if throughout this lesson, you, you, my, I'm not sick. I'm just, I might be wiping some tears and stuff from my face because I do miss him. Anyway, the last few weeks we have been started, the last few weeks that I've been teaching started on the book of Ecclesiastes. And I've been doing word for word, verse for verse, complete study of this whole book. I've been studying it for several years now. And uh, I decided to uh, dig real deep into it. There's a lot of it that I didn't understand. And, and so if you can follow me, uh, there's some words in there that, that are repeated over and over and over and over and over again in the whole book. And so it's important to understand what, what Solomon is talking about. He was, God said that he was the wisest man that ever walked during that time. And, uh, and Solomon explained to us that his was, a lot of his proverbs didn't come from his knowledge in his own brain. It came from what he was taught from his father. And, uh, and he just pinned it down in a different way than King David did. But it's all relevant to where he lived his life. So I'm going to start, I'm going to review a little bit. Every time I teach, I'm going to have to go back over these four or five words that are repeated all the way through the entire book. So if you look at Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2, it says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. That's Solomon. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, if you know that studied, as we study the book on Ecclesiastes, he is teaching us and God has showed us the best that we can possibly do with the knowledge that there is a God and he will bring everything into judgment. It doesn't matter, every thought, every deed, every work, every, every single thing that, is, that happens in our life will be brought into judgment. And so with the knowledge that there is a God and that that's going to happen, Outside of that, the best that we can do while we are alive under the sun means what he's saying is while you're breathing. As we get further into it, he, he explains a live dog is better than a dead lion, although when they're both alive, the lion is much more powerful. A gnat that's alive is much better than, I mean, outside of God, and don't, you got to look into the context. Is better than me when I'm six foot under because he's still breathing. So out, outside of redemption, the best that we can possibly do on this earth while we're alive with the knowledge that we're going to be judged, vanity of all vanities is, is you, you're born, you work and you work and you work and you work, you suffer, you suffer for a little bit of joy, and you all end up right down in the grave and you leave it all behind. You work your entire life to, for some look for five, six, eight, ten years of retirement and you die. And you leave everything for somebody else that ain't done a cotton picking thing with their life. 
we're gone, the memory of us is gone, it's all gone. But so vanity is vanity is all of this stuff that we get caught up in outside of our relationship with God means absolutely nothing. I have an argument with this guy 50 years from now, it ain't gonna matter. Being right is not the, 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 the utopia of this life. And so uh, vanity of vanities is everything is going to be left behind. And that's, that's depressing. <laughs> because everybody knows, I mean, you, can, you got some people that are very wealthy, and you got some people that, that won't do nothing. And all of that wealth will be left with somebody who hasn't deserved it, who hasn't earned it, who hasn't done a thing their whole life. And that's what Solomon is saying, hey, this is vanity. And there was nobody richer than him compared to in his day. Okay. The next one is travail, which we're going to, I'm going to cover the verse on that here in a minute, and we're going to get it back up a little bit on that. Travail is painful effort, a, a continuous, you got to work if you want to eat, a continual uh, painful effort of work. So let's look at one other verse here. As Solomon, this verse 13, and we'll get deep into the lesson here in a minute. Verse 12, first, Ecclesiastes 1.12. I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. There was none powerful. His word went, no matter what he, what he said went. I gave my heart out and gave my heart to seek and to search out wisdom concerning all things that are done under the heaven. This sore travail, keep in mind, I'm going to bounce back a little bit on this one. This sore travail has God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. Why would God cause a sore travail on all mankind? Genesis chapter 3, real quick. I'm going to flip back and forth. This is God talking to Adam. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat it of. Cursed is the ground. You ever planted a garden? You ever wonder, why, why did these weeds come out of nowhere? They won't stop. The more you pick, the more you pull, the more, more you get prized. So if you want to eat, you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. And it's not just that. If you're going to be an engineer, you got a boss, you got to, you got to go, you got to work, you got to sweat. This is just talking about curses. Hey, if you want to work, if you want to eat, you're going to work. Some of us. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. Because you did that, God has cursed the ground for all man. In sorrow, thou shalt eat of it all the days of your life. So you're going to get up, you're going to be born, and you're going to work, 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 and it'll never end till you reach 60, 50, 60, 70, 70 years old, till you can't work. Put all the days of your life to what? Enjoy, what, two, three, four years of where you can do anything? 
Thorns and thistles shall I bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. And so you got to pull them out there. So in the sweat of thy face thou eat bread. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return to the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and until dust thou wilt return. So we'll go back to Ecclesiastes. So what he's saying here is God gave this sore travail to man. This is the way it is. This is the way of life. This is how, because Adam brought sin into this world right from the beginning. And because of that, our ground is cursed and that, and we have to work. And that's part of that. In the, on one other verse, we're going to get into it. Verse 14. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and all, and behold, all is vanity. Remember, vanity is everything you can do up until the day you die means absolutely nothing. You're going to leave it all behind and it's gone. That's vanity. It doesn't mean that it's a sin. It means that that's, hey, you can, you can, hey, just enjoy your life. Don't get caught up in the rough. Don't get caught up in a bunch of stuff that don't mean anything. I get try, I get in trouble every time I get on the road and drive. I think things I shouldn't think. I, in my heart, I, I have to go. With, I have to lay my bed at night, every single night, and ask God to forgive me for what I have said in my heart to somebody else in front of me on that road out there. If I, if I had the money, I would have somebody drive me everywhere I went. I wouldn't even drive. It's, I get angry. I've got an anger problem with, with knuckleheads. In fact, I've said this before. My wife, man, me and her get into it sometimes when I'm driving. I scare her. In fact, this, this, <laughs> I'm going to back up a little bit. This is funny. Back in, <laughs> you'll appreciate this, brother. Back in when I first met my wife, I had a Trans Am with a 454 under that hood. I had just met her dad, and we, were, we had decided we were going to get married. And so we were coming over to my house to see my mom and dad and introduce her to her. So this is just real quick. I mean, on our third date, we were engaged. Six months after I met her, we got married. But after we had, I mean, it was just like, bam. So I said, okay. She needs to know who I am to make sure she knows what she's doing. And so there was, I don't know if you remember in Colonial Heights, there was these toll gates in Colonial Heights that would, uh, would come up and down. And when I was, at one time I was talking to a buddy of mine in there and I missed the basket and that car went under that toll gate. I mean, it was like an eighth of an inch. But in my head, you know, back then, I said, man, I can clear that. <laughs> So every time I come up through it, boom, I'd go under them and I wouldn't stop. I wouldn't pay toll. It's stealing now. If I, and I'm not going to go back and pay them back all the tolls out there. But I had my wife in that right hand side. So I said, okay, well, we're going to find out. She gonna, I'm going to find out what she's about. If she really wants to, if she knows what she's doing. I got about 50 yards from that toll gate, one up right in front of me, and I lit it up. Boom, under that toll gate. And I'm looking at her and she's like, one word, two words, three words. You scared me. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the lesson, but I'll get, I'll get back to that in just a second. You scared me. But uh, 
I'm trying to think about where I was putting this in with, that, with this lesson, but that's, that's just one funny part of us. Anyway, we've been married 40 years this year, so that's so she hung in there with me. But let me get back. I'll remember what I, the point I was trying to make here in just a minute. I got caught up in that story. Okay, here we go. Verse 14, I've seen all the works that are done to the Son and all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Okay, as we get deeper into the lesson, this is real important. Vexation of spirit is a su suppression of spiritual guidance of the Holy Spirit that causes one to question their faith or draw them away from their faith in God. Examples of temptations, financial difficulty, losing a loved one, persecution from somebody else, anything that'll cause you to not, oh Lord, I love you so much. Be with me today. Help me lead someone else to Christ. Help me invite somebody to church. Help me. Instead of our minds tuned in to the Holy Spirit, we get caught up in the riff. We get to arguing. We get to carrying on. We get to day-to-day, uh, -day, oh, I can't stand these prices. I can't stand this, and I can't stand that, and I don't like this, the government this, and, and get caught up in all of this riff, and it takes our mind off of God. Takes our mind off of salvation. Takes our mind. He's in control. Takes our mind off of if of he has got it. We have no need to fear. We have no need to fret. We have no need to argue amongst brothers and sisters. We have no need. Hey, God's got it. He sent his son Christ. He saved us. Just look, look, man. It's, what if we'd have died without Christ? See, so anything that draws us away from what he has done for us and what we can do for him is a vexation of spirit. And this is what, what Solomon is talking about. Everything in life, all this stuff we get caught up in, we work, we toil, we just, and all this stuff causes us to have a vexation of spirit. All of that vanity, all of that stuff causes us to not be focused on what's really important in our lives is how we can show somebody else how to be saved because that's a long time eternity. I can't imagine somebody that split second to wake up and they'll never hear another opportunity. It's over. It's gone. And all of that stuff that they were fretted up about, all the stuff about who's right, uh, they'll never have another chance to accept Christ, ever. That's a scary, I, I hate to even think about it, and I try to, to block that out, but I've got a lot of friends that I went to school with, and every time I hear one of them had died, I know in my own spirit, like I've tried to, my wife gets on me for judging a lot of times, and I do. I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I judge quite a bit, but I try to explain to her that when I'm going down the road and I pass a cornfield, I don't have to jump out of the car and go up to her and say, you're a cornfield. I, you are a cornfield. I don't have to do that. In my heart, I know it's a cornfield because its fruit has identified itself as that. And so when I see people that are living totally ungodly, they could be backslidden, don't get me wrong. But I in my heart say, that is not the fruit of a Christian. What they're doing and the way they're behaving, the, what they're saying, that's not fruit. They've identified themselves with what the Apostle Paul says, the, the, the fruits of the devil, not the fruits of the Spirit. And so, yeah, I can judge the fruit. I don't, you know, you, you, that's a no-brainer. I mean, you, 
to me, wow, it's corn. So, okay, now we're going to get back, get hidden straight into the lesson here now. All right. Let's see, verse 17 now, which I'm almost to where the next chapter starts. I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know, and to know madness and to know folly. I'll be I'm catching up here now. This is still the, the, the thing. Folly is the lack of proper respect and fear for God himself. Prone to go in the wrong direction. Total lack of good sense. That's folly. To hey, that bridge is out. I think I'm going to drive right off of it. You know, you see these young people today. Here's, here's folly. They say they're a girl. They, he's a man, but he says he's a girl. So, yeah, I, he's a girl. No, that's folly. That's that's lack of good sense. Everybody knows there's there's two, man and a woman. Period. Outside of that, that's total nonsense. And so Solomon is saying, I gave my heart to to dig into it and and know folly. That he, they didn't have, I don't think they had too many people walking around, men dressing like women back then, but not in Israel anyway. They'd been doing in. But uh, let's see, madness. Let's see where I'm at. Anyway, that's so many pages. I got it here. Hold on just a second here. I got something else I want to cover too. Man, it's okay. Striking difference between good and evil. Okay, that is, a, that is madness. So he said, I gave my heart to know madness, wisdom, and folly. And I perceive this also as vexation of spirit. I mean, he got caught up in it, thinking about not, you know, common sense. And just looking at, if you had no common sense, me just dwelling on that and saying, oh boy, you're so you mean you can I can do this I used to have somebody else here that I man you are one dummy you know I you know that's that's not taking my heart brother how can I pray for you today we all have faults every one of us rather than dwell on the folly rather than dwell on 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 someone else's shortcoming because just what I might think is your, is your shortcoming, I've got 10 of them over here that I've got to clean up in my own heart. And so, 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 the, so the, the, rather than focus on that, focus on how we can pray for somebody. And uh, all right, let's see. All right, here we go. The next one we I covered this last time, and I'm gonna just I'm not gonna cover this the next time, but I'm gonna do it because as he get to, as he begin to dig into that, verse 18 he says, "In much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge will increase his sorrow." And here's, at the deeper and the closer you get to God, I'm telling you, the closer you get to God, the harder the devil's gonna attack. And the closer you get to God, the more you're going to be aware of, brother, that ain't right. You're going to, I mean, we, not to judge or nothing, but I can pray for you, but what you're doing ain't right. 
And when it comes home and it's your family, it's your own children, it's your own close people, and you say, look, it hurts. It's painful. So the increase in, in, in the knowledge of the holy God and the holiness and, and the knowledge that you have, that what this word says, and you see people that you love going opposite of what's in this right here. That's a painful thing when you know that it ain't going to end good for them. You just know it. So when you increase your knowledge about a holy God and what he's done and you, and you get in tune with him and, and, and you enter your prayer clause and you say, oh Lord, I failed you today. Help me. Cleanse me, oh God. And you get this clean, refreshing, Holy Ghost feeling where you know, hey, it's time. I can, I, now all of this garbage is under the blood. I can enter into the Holy of Holies and commune with the Holy God, with my Holy Spirit. And then you can ask Him whatever you want. And, and you, you get this feeling, you want them to have it. That's increasing knowledge. The closer you get to God, that's increasing your knowledge and wisdom. Okay, and here we go. Okay. First, all right, here we go. We're going to go jump into chapter 2 here. Now see, take in mind, Solomon had money to do all this. Most of us don't have money to experience every single thing we want to in this life. We're glued to a half a dozen things at the most that we can totally, totally get into. I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with myrrh. Okay, myrrh is gladness with laughter. Watching someone else dance that can't dance is amusing. I mean, amusement, total amusement is M-I-R-T-H, according to this word right here, words right here in the context he said, mirth is total amusement. So he said, I gave my heart to prove thee. Now Solomon is not saying to prove thee, prove my, he's saying, all right, I want to prove to myself what I know with the wisdom that I have. I'm going to go out and I'm going to entertain myself with the funniest comedians, with the funniest actors, with the funniest, and, and I'm going to experience that part of life. I said, I, and I said of laughter, it's madness. And of myrrh, what doeth it? It's going all out, all out. Now, I'm not saying you can't sit there and watch an hour of, of a funny thing on TV, but you got these, you got... You got some, some people that are just in front of that television 12 hours a day. You got these kids that are now on these little gadgets 12 hours a day. I mean, and so, so their minds are taken away from a holy God and they're not being taught through, through amusement the importance of how to win someone else to Christ. I think, I think that if you took an entire poll of the entire church, not our church, I'm talking about the entire body of Christ, and said, okay, let's take a poll. Can you, this is a question blanket for the church, how many of you can intelligently take this Bible and not saying, you got to trust Jesus into your heart? Satan knows that. But explain to him creation the entrance of sin into this world and explain to somebody the gospel. 
how to get saved. How many kids today do you think are being taught how to win somebody to the Lord? If you took a poll, I bet you it wouldn't be 2% of the entire church that could take this book right here and intelligently explain the gospel to where they can understand it. So the best thing we can do is Christ, if we can't do that, is to live it in front of them. Everybody can say, hey, I got a great church. Come on, come on and visit us. Here's a card, here's a phone, here's a card. Everybody can share the gospel and put them in front of the gospel with somebody that can do it. I mean, there's not, there's not one of us out here that can't at least one person a week invite them to church. 12 or uh, four a month. How about this? One person a year. Focus, I'm going to sit a goal. I'm going to get out here and in the 365 days, I'm going to find one person, just one, that I'm going to bring in these doors because I invited them. You know, that's, that's soul winning. You don't, you, I mean, you, that's, you don't have to pick some, to be browbeat somebody with the Bible to, to smile and be pleasant and then just invite them to church and, and to be focused and to be totally focused on everything else and not have any room for the Lord. I bet you 2% of the entire church world that call themselves Christians don't do that. Okay, let me get going. I sought my heart to give myself to wine. He started to get drunk, wanted to see how that was. So his explanation of it, I think he just wanted to get drunk. His explanation was, so I could experience this side of life so I'll know, hey, that's not good for somebody that's, that's on their way to heaven that wants to, to trust God. I just, so he gave himself totally to wine. And see, the end, of, the end of Solomon's life is sad. Down the road, we'll get to that. But that's... It said he went, went the evil way and, dis, and turned his heart against God, not like his father. And we'll, I'll get to that shortly, not this week. Till I might see that was, was good for the sons of men, what they should do, do under the heaven all the days of their life while they're alive. So I can understand what, how I should conduct my life, because it's going to be over. You know, the average life, the average life of a human being is 70 years. Not, not, not a day longer. I'm talking about of all the people that's been born and died. Then if you live to be 80, God says in his word in, in, in Psalms 91, you can read it yourself, that that's, there's a grace period there that God's given you 10 extra years. And if anything above 80, he calls that an anointing. And there's not many people 90 to 100 years old walking around soul winning. Their days are, God's blessed them with a long life and, and now it's, they're, 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 it's rest time for them. Going home, waiting to cross, going home. Their work is done. Our work felt people are, are between now and when we're 70, 80 years old. Sure, you can invite anybody to church if you're 105, but I'm talking about you're not going to be flying down the road, carrying, driving here and driving there and, and working like that. But like the pastor says, we can do something. But as we, as we, let me get to another part here. Here's, here's, let me finish. Let me, 
I'm going to have to run out of time here a second. Hold on just a second. Here's what he did. He said, after, okay, after I experienced drinking, after I experienced all of this, he said, I made great works, built houses, planted me vineyards, I planted me gardens, orchards, trees in them, all kinds of fruit, pools of water, and watered the trees, and, and let's see, and I had great possessions of great small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also in gold and peculiar treasures, in providence, I got men singers and entertainers, women singers, delights, the sons, and musical instruments, and all sorts. Verse 9, and so I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them, and I held them not, and I withheld not my heart from any joy. And my heart rejoiced in all my poor in labor, and this was my portion. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought. This is where it gets depressing. And all the labor and I had labored and do. And behold, all of it was vanity. He knew he was going to die. All, all of that wealth, all of that stuff, all of that stuff. He's going to leave it all behind him. All was vanity and vexation of spirit because there was no profit really under the sun. Just to, that's why God, as we get further into it, he's going to say, enjoy what you've got. Go, 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 go. Take time to just enjoy a little bit of what you actually have. Because it's going to be gone just like that for somebody else to enjoy that didn't work for it. Okay. I've got a couple of things, points here I wanted to really get to here. Okay. This food of verse 14. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceive that there is one event that happens to them all. So it don't matter how wise you are, how wealthy you are, if you're dirt poor, there's one event. If God doesn't return soon, that's going, we're all going to face one event, and that's the grave. And what does it matter? What all that labor matters, what all of this, we all got to work and we all got to eat. Don't take that out of context. But, but the stuff, the garbage that we're bombarded with, you know, it's, it's sad to, to have all of this stuff and you say, oh, wow, look what I have done. And then here I come along, I'm using my family as an example. I've got two kids that ain't done squat. <laughs> I ain't kidding. Me and my wife dis disagree on a lot of things. Oh, if she goes before me, I know what's going to happen. If I go before her, I know what's going to happen. But I've got one that I might take one. Leave it all to him and let him do what's right. She's like, oh, but yeah, I got some that are just sitting there waiting for a will to be read and haven't done a thing their entire life. Zero. This is what I was talking about. See, a lot of stuff that I share with this class is personal. I go through it, and I have for years. Increasing knowledge and wisdom increases your sorrow. It's very sorrowful for me. I, sometimes I'm up 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning praying for my kids. I love them. I love all three the same. 
But vanity of all vanities is for somebody to sit there and just waiting for me to die so I can leave it to them. This is what Solomon is talking about right here in this book. Okay, verse 16. No, verse 15. Then I said in my heart, as it happened to the fool, so it happened to me. Why was I more wise? Why did I do all this and build all this and get all this and do And then I'm dead and somebody that ain't done nothing gets it all and enjoys it. And I have little time to enjoy any of it. I did all of this stuff and got all this great stuff and I've, I, and now I'm dead. And then somebody comes along and they got 40 years to enjoy what I've done none and ain't worked for it. Gets into that here in a minute and said, that's a great evil. God calls that a great evil. Okay, verse 16. For there is no more remembrance of the wise more than the fool forever, seeing that which is now in the days to come, it shall be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man as the fool? What he's saying here is, you go back two generations in your own life, two. Do you know who your great-grandfather was? You might know his name. Do you know what he did for a living? Do you know where he went? What he went to school? Did he play football? Did he play baseball? Did he play, what, what did he do? What made him laugh? What made him cry? How long was he married? We don't know a thing about him. But, and, and so what he's saying here, do you know what's gonna happen? Two generations from now, you're gonna be a memory. Just my great grandfather was Brian Pollard. That's it. Forgotten. Nobody will know what you did, where you went, what you went to school, what made you laugh, what made you cry. They might have a few videos of you, but they won't know you. They, they won't know me. They won't, nobody will, so what, so what really matters is what, what we do here for him. Because that's where we're going to be there a whole lot longer than here. Okay. Therefore, I hated life, and I'm just, I'm almost done. Verse 17. Therefore, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous to me. He's tra travail, sore travail because of Adam. Every single thing he had to work and work and work. It's all grievous and sorry. It's blood, sweat, and tears. And that was a vexation of my spirit because the more I dwelt on how much I've done, and I got to thinking, well, wait a minute. All that's going to go to here, it ain't done nothing. And instead of, God, touch their heart. This is my, where I'm at. Do something, Lord, to wake them up other than take me home. <laughs> I'm not saying do whatever it takes. I pray for all my kids every single day. God, break their heart. Humble them. Open their heart. Instead of, oh, boy, I can't believe that's going to, you know, it's a different way of a spiritual awakening when you can pray for somebody. Like if somebody hadn't prayed, I didn't deserve prayer. I didn't deserve to be saved when I was saved. But somebody did pray for me. Somebody did take me to church. Somebody did lead me to the Lord. So people that seemingly don't deserve it, that's the ones that need it the most. They need the most prayer. Those are the ones that, that, that instead of hit the knees, just say a prayer. Pray for them. Pray for somebody that don't deserve it. 
Jesus did that to us. He went into that garden, even on the cross. Forgive them. The ones that the ones that was, had pulled his beard out and spit in his face, he said, "Forgive them." That's a hard thing to do for us. Okay, who verse uh, six nineteen, and I'm gonna wrap up here in a minute. Whoso knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool, yet he shall have rule over all my labor wherein I've labored, wherein I've showed myself wise under the sun. This is all vanity. And here where I'm going to have to stop here in a minute. Because we bring a lot of self-manufactured trouble in our lives. Depression is is one of the things that happen to a lot of people when enough is wrong and fault and and you get pounded and you get pounded and pounded and then the devil sees he's down, you're down, and then he throws something else on you and then he sees you're down a little. And and without getting in his book and refreshing with the Holy Spirit, we can be succumbed easy. It's like a plant in a garden. You first pick and you get good and you get good. Next thing you know, you can't keep up the weeds. Heck with it, let it choke it out. Too much more, I ain't get. So when we get sin coming to our lives, unless we constantly pull these weeds out of our life and we just keep ourselves clean and keep ourselves refreshed, we get so used to being choked out that we just, oh, I'm not gonna pray tonight. I'm not gonna read my Bible. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll miss when, I'll, 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 and we begin to, to, to give up some of our spirituality because the cares of this world choke out the word. Therefore, verse 20, therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all my labor, which I took under. He went into depression. I caused my own heart to despair because I was wise and I did all this stuff and now look at me, my life is closing down and I'm going to leave all this stuff to somebody who don't deserve it. And he got really depressed. Okay, for there is a man, and then I'm going to finish up with this verse right here, verse 21. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Now, here we go. Equity. Equity here is not talking about uh, the turning of a house when you got $100,000 equity in the house. Equity, what he's talking about here now is equity is fair and impartial judgment, freedom from bias and favoritism, justice, whether it's right or wrong, justice. Do the guilty, yeah, innocent, yeah, fair. To help achieve fairness and treatment in an outcome. This is what Solomon means here when he's talking about equity. He says, For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. He's talking about himself there. He's, he said, there is a man who's, a, who, who's fair, fair all the time, yet to a man that hath not labored, therein shall he leave for his portion. What he's saying is, I've been all right all my life. I've been in church three nights a week. I've been praying my whole life. I've been doing all this stuff. Now God has blessed me and anointed me with all, with a good life. And now somebody's coming along who's a vile, sinful, no care, and they'll squander it all in two years and it's going to go to them. He said, and so in verse 21, 
Yet to a man that hath not labored therein in equity, in wisdom, and knowledge, to leave it for his portion, this is vanity and a great evil. That's right there. That's a great evil. First, now I'm not all for inheritance, but I think it's foolish for someone to leave somebody with an inheritance that's going to squander it on riotous living when you've been godly with yours. And I'll just leave it, to, leave it at that. Now that's an opinion. And, and you know what? The beauty of heaven, and I'm going to have to close with this, the most wonderful, wonderful thing outside of seeing Jesus and loved ones in heaven. Brother, there will not be one opinion in heaven. Not one. Not one opinion in all the glory through eternity. Not one opinion. We all have different opinions about things. That shouldn't come between us as brothers and sisters. But when we cross over, opinions will be done away. Well, I think this and I think that. Well, when you did, it ain't going to matter because there won't be none up there. Nobody will care what you think or me. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.